Welcome back, everybody, to the Tales Never Fails podcast. This is your host, Steve Kramer. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's how you're listening today. I'm joined today by Parker Hurley. Parker, how you doing, bud? Doing good, man. On to the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's kind of weird to see back-to-back years the Packers picking in the high teens. So um, definitely going to be a big offseason for them. Yeah, moving on from Mike McCarthy, you know, they hired Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett as the OC, but you do start your team with Aaron Rodgers, which isn't the worst place to start. <laughs> um, there's really not much to talk about the quarterbacks here, but you can touch on a little bit if you want. Yeah, it's just like, when you break down Rodgers statistically, and when you watch him, just the weirdest season ever last year. I think every Green Bay Packers fan would agree, too. Um, I think it starts with the relationship between him and McCarthy um, was just over, uh, you know, and they just brought back an expired relationship um, because he he's just, he had, what, two interceptions. He had led the league in throwaways by, like, almost doubled everybody in throwaways. Um, just was, like, not happy with the offense, just, you know, called out. They beat the Bills 22 to nothing, I think it was, and just just said, what a terrible performance. And uh, it was a really weird year from Aaron Rodgers, and you just saw the body language. I think what he realized was, you know, we're running an older school offense, and I'm seeing all this new school innovation, and I'm seeing motion, and I'm seeing jet sweeps, and I'm seeing going forward on fourth and two, you know, and I'm seeing bootlegs, and, like, we're not doing much of this, so... um you know, whether it was intentional or whether he was injured from the Bears game or whether it was a combination of both and the McCarthy stuff, he had a weird year last year. And um, I think that's why you get a, a young coach like LaFleur. And if you listen to us throughout the season on the podcast, I like LaFleur. I like the idea of LaFleur. Um, it's interesting, though, in terms of um, his situation in Tennessee was so weird. Um, you know, but I think that. I think one thing I said with his Tennessee situation is he never had the right pieces to get an actual offense going. He's obviously going to have the right pieces. He is a young and innovative mind. I didn't think he was going to get a head coaching job mainly because of his Tennessee stuff. I thought his other background was, you know, good enough and just like a decent year in Tennessee gets him a head coaching job. I don't think that was good enough, but I think the fact that Rodgers was so like hellbent on this type of head coach that when it comes to that idea, he's almost, you know, he's actually one of the better um, of that, like, um, I don't, you know, want to say the McVeigh type, but like he is, you know, of that type of coach and he comes from the McVeigh tree. Um, I think it, in terms of that's what Rogers wants, that's what Rogers got. So I guess that's a good fit for Rogers. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at, uh, the running backs as well, kind of set there with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, both, you know, next year will be making under a million dollars. Um, do you think they need to do anything there or are they going to be okay? Probably not, and um, you know, you kind of saw towards the end of the season. One thing that I pointed out was with Lafleur was he started to figure out some of the Dion Lewis, Derrick Henry dynamic. Um, you know, and I think the big thing, or you know, the big thing we're looking for is Aaron Jones to get a little more involved in the passing game. And you would assume a guy like Aaron Rodgers has said it publicly that he wants that. And you know, like I said, he's kind of getting his way with Lafleur, I think. And I think Lafleur will highlight running backs in the passing game. So I think it's a big bump up for Aaron Jones. I think Jamal Williams is straddled into his role as he's going to be a power guy. He's still going to be trusted as a pass blocker. So he's a perfect number two. You look at number three, I mean, Capri Bibbs, Trey Carson, you know, you could probably maybe upgrade over that. But I still think despite, you know, new coaching change, I think he'll actually say, let's highlight these guys a little more, you know, than, uh, than he'll say, oh, I want to get my guys in here. That's actually how I see that going. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And looking at uh, the pass catchers as well. You know, bringing back Devontae Adams. Um, but they do have some decisions to make with 
Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison. But, you know, towards the end of the year, ESB and uh, MBS definitely took a step forward. Those guys look promising. Um, do you think they're going to add anything at wide receiver or just kind of keep it rolling with what they have? It's going to be interesting because they drafted heavily at wide receiver last year to kind of be in the position of, like you said, Randall Cobb's walking away. Um, probably, I, I don't think he'll be back. And um, Allison is questionable in terms of, you know, I think Rodgers likes him, but he has some off-field questions. I think he has some drop issues. He's not the most dynamic athlete either. So, you know, you're kind of saying, okay, we drafted heavily. We drafted some high upside athletes, some lottery tickets, honestly, in Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinomius. But it seems like, like you said, two of the three are looking like they could be some hits. And, you know, the big thing is ESB is played in and out of the slot. Um, MVS just seems like he's like a... Uh, Almost in the like Martavis Bryant role of, you know, doesn't run many routes, but he runs deep and he can get open and kind of flip the field a little bit. So, you know, that's perfect next to Devontae Adams, who isn't necessarily a great athlete, but um, just long arms and catches everything. You know, so he can work some of the shorter stuff, and Rodgers has so much faith in Devontae that he can pepper him with high volume in the short to intermediate. Um, MVS can stretch the field deep, and then Equinomius can, you know, do a lot of things in terms of he's a size, speed, you know, height, weight, speed prospect, but he also can, you know, has some of the qu qu uh, foot quickness to move over the slot. So I really like what they did in that regard. Um, even Alan Lazard is a big slot player. E even Jamon Moore is, um, he's a big player, but he's more, he's actually not that dynamic down the field. He's more dynamic in the short passing game, almost in the Devontae Adams role. Um, I also think, I definitely think Jake Kumaro will be back because Aaron Rodgers loves Jake Kumaro and he's a short shifty slot receiver who Rodgers trusts. So um, he was hurt most of last season, started to come along as the season went along, but that's where you're looking at it and saying, um, you know what, they have Adams as their big guy, you know, um, uh, MVS and ESB can't let go because they took big time steps, Kumaro's coming back, that's four, and then Jamon Moore, Alan Lazard, you know, um, even Trevor Davis, you could say they're definitely not, you know, LaFleur's the offensive guy, and I mean, he's almost looking at it and saying, you know, I got Tennessee without, you know, with no wide receivers, or, you know, Corey Davis is our big receiver, and Delaney Walker got hurt in the first game, and the offensive line was a carousel, and Mariota had a stinger in his arm, and like, I got Tennessee this far, um, look what I can do with all these pieces, you know, he's not coming in and looking to shuffle it up he's coming in and saying you guys have the pieces let me let me show you how to cook with them a little bit you know that's kind of how I see LaFleur and you know how I see it being at least a decent little fit yeah I mean they definitely have the pieces on offense you know even looking at tight down in their line they got uh Jimmy Graham coming back next year they'll have to make a decision on Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks we're going to talk about tight ends and then we'll get into the O-line but the offense looks like it's in a pretty good place Right, and that's where it comes down to, you know, if, as long as Rodgers is one healthy and one happy, I guess, you know, and, you know, two, you know, not playing that kind of, you know, s getting the ball out of my hands quickly to throw it away to, you know, spare interception stats type of player. Um, but, you know, Jimmy Graham, I think it's his last chance in terms of they could save a little bit on the cap, but not enough to make it worth it, in my opinion. Um, so especially in this new offense, you know, I think LaFleur, you know, coming from the Shanahan, you know, that mainly everyone says McVay, but like McVay came from Shanahan, you know, Mike Shanahan first off, you know, so um, what that typically came from was running backs and tight ends, you know, so. I, I think, you know, and he went to Tennessee with Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker got hurt in the very first week of the season, but, like, that's a bit of what he went there, you know, so I think he wants to involve his tight ends and running backs, and that means potential for Aaron Jones and Jimmy Graham. It's just if Jimmy Graham doesn't make the best of this opportunity, you know, he's gone, you know, in, in a heartbeat, and he's not, you know, this is like 
um, his last chance to really actually make some money in the NFL. So we'll see if he if he kind of hangs on to his role because they want production in a receiver out of the tight end spot. Um, can Jimmy Graham do that? The thing with Jimmy Graham is he can't block. You know, we're completely, we all agree with that. Um, and that's where Mercedes Lewis, I think, comes in in terms of he's a good blocker. As long as he's cheap enough, they should probably bring him back. But they should also, um, you know, I don't know if they bring back Kendricks because he's a guy that can, like, do a little bit of catch and a little bit of blocking, can't do anything great. But um, I think that they could also get a blocking tight end, you know, just depth late, you know, you can find a blocking tight end, you know, with, with limited receiving skills because you don't need a tight end with great receiving skills because of Jimmy, but you know, some, you know, can catch a pass here and there, but really can block. Um, that's like I said, you could get one super late. So I think they could, that's what they could potentially do with the offense. Yeah. And I'm looking at the line, you know, they definitely have their starters, um, locked in here, a little bit of depth. Um, but I don't think they're going to need to make too many moves, you know, maybe a little bit of guard, but what do you see offensive line-wise? Yeah, they pretty much just need a guard, you know, um, Bulaga's starting to get up there in age, and he has some injury questions, but, um, you know, they drafted Jason Spriggs, and they were assuming at some point, you know, whether it be guard or tackle, um, Spriggs would potentially replace Bulaga or, you know, play next to him at guard, and um, Spriggs hasn't made the steps forward that they really want from him, so um, they pretty much have to, you know, hope for really just one more year out of Bulaga, so you could see them um, potentially draft, you know, his replacement at some point, or, you know, look youth for his replacement, because Spriggs hasn't necessarily shown he could be that replacement, so, um, but heading into next year, it's going to be Bulaga and Bakhtiari. Um, Bakhtiari is one of the best left tackles in the league, so um, you're not really, that's where it's not a priority that you have to, you know, find a guy to replace Bulaga, yet, you know, I think you're going to try to at some point here, but I don't think it's, like, the biggest priority. Um, Corey Lindsley, will definitely be back at center. I think he was banged up last year and that, you know, um, that obviously affected them a little bit. Or no, I think he played a full season last year. So um, he'll definitely be back next year and he's a pretty solid, like, probably say a top five or, you know, he's up there in terms of starting centers. Lane Taylor, um, not necessarily a stud of a guard, but um, I think he's good enough that, you know, he starts in at guard. You know, you're completely... Um, you're, you're, you're okay with him mainly because, you know, they don't have necessarily anything else, you know, Spriggs, like I said, you want Spriggs to step in or, you know, a guy like Cole Madison or even Nico Saragusa. But, um, you know, mainly it was Justin McCray last year and, you know, um, he was okay. I wouldn't say he was that good though. And I think that they really want to upgrade over McCray. Um, like I said, whether it be a guy like Saragusa or Madison taking a step forward, I don't think you bank on that. So, um, I think, you know, like I said, you know, you're bringing back the majority of your pieces and you're just saying we need a depth tight end that costs limited assets. Um, maybe you do spend on a guard or maybe you do draft a guard in like the second or third round. I'm not necessarily sure how that, you know, situation looks right now, but I do think you could upgrade from McCray. And I do think, you know, you say Spriggs, you know, we don't trust you at this point in terms of, you know, one replacing Bulaga or starting at guard. So um, they need, I think they need some guard. Yeah, and uh, just kind of looking at the draft picks real quick, they do have uh, two first-round picks, 12 and 30, and then they pick again at 44 in, two, in round two, and then 75 in round three, so four top 75 picks is pretty nice there. That is true, and I mean, I think they, they definitely have some needs on defense, but um, I definitely could see some of that going to, you know, whether it be... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, what is it, tight end guard, or, you know, I think that's mainly, that's really their only options, or uh, some depth at tackle. I could see them. I wouldn't be surprised if they took, you know, if just, you know, like you said, it, it's a luxury pick in that second one in the first round, and they really like a tackle who fell there. You know, I could potentially see something like that. Yeah, moving on to the defensive side, where they definitely have 
some more decisions that they're going to have to make. They don't have a ton of cap space, but I'm um, looking at. We'll start on the D line. Uh, Mama Wilkerson is a UFA. Um, you know, they still, they're bringing back Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, but um, they're going to have to definitely make some decisions here. I mean, the big decision is, yeah, Wilkerson, who, you know, I think, especially on paper, when you put him in the middle, you know, or when you put him next to uh, Kenny Clark and then Mike Daniels on the other side, and, you know, they're going to continually, you know, Mike Patton came back, their defensive coordinator. That's where I was saying, you know, with LaFleur, he's kind of like, hey, I like the pieces here, you know, brought the defensive coordinator back. Um if, if you want to, you know, bring back Wilkerson, the question with Wilkerson is, you know, personality-wise, you know, is he a fit in the locker room? And that's just stuff that I don't necessarily know. I think on the field, um, I think his price tag is going to be cheap enough, and I think that what he brings next to Daniels and Clark and really solidifies that, I think that's worth it. But it comes down to, you know, is he a guy that's, you know, worth it um, off the field? Um, Dean Lowry, I think, is perfect in terms of he could be depth with, you know, those three on that defensive line. And that's where you're saying maybe we don't bring back Wilkerson because we have a guy like Lowry, give him a bit of a bigger role, maybe, you know, a need a depth guy or two to step up in that regard then but I you know I think Lowry could be in that regard but from there that point those are like your kind of interior if you're running a lot of nickel that's your kind of interior four defensive linemen so then you can kind of get to the edge where it's going to be interesting because um you know Clay Matthews is a free agent and uh Kyle or uh Nick Perry will be back you know Nick Perry is going to start on your four-man nickel fronts you know Pretty much whether it be with, you know, two of those four guys that we kind of mentioned for the most part. So the question is, who's going to be opposite of him? You know, is it going to be um, Fackrell? Fackrell can play off the ball, but can also, you know, he's an edge player. um, And you're mainly going to get edge production out of him this season. But, um, you know, is it going to be him? You probably want to upgrade over him. I don't think it's going to be Clay Matthews because Clay Matthews, is, he's old. He has some, you know, injury questions. He's been, I think would say like the last three years have been, you know, pretty disappointing. For I know he's moved inside a little bit and he's played, you know, so his, his sack numbers have been down. But I even think a lot of Packers fans would agree that he's been disappointing the last couple of years. I don't think necessarily that he'll be back. I think they're more looking to upgrade over him. But um, on the defensive line, that's their biggest need is um edge i also think reggie gilbert could be back um ahead of clay matthews because he's younger and i think he could be back cheaper and i think he could get more production honestly than clay matthews um you know this year and moving forward so i would i would look for them to re-sign reggie gilbert before clay matthews but then also look for them to add on the edge yeah i mean d-line and linebackers you know there's gonna be a little bit of turnover there it'll be weird you know if they don't uh bring back clay matthews um you touched on linebackers Already, we can move on to the secondary here. Looking at some decisions they're going to have to make next year. Not a ton in terms of UFAs, um, but they're definitely going to need to add someone in the back end. Yeah, we hit the outside guys, so we'll hit the inside guys real quick because they're mainly, um, they could actually add two to the inside because Blake Martinez will definitely be back inside. And then they're kind of like, I don't know what they're going to do at the second spot. Um, they have Oren Burks, but he has shoulder injuries and he can't, def- he has not shown that he can defend the run, let alone, you know, he has shoulder injuries. Um, and Antonio Morrison is a little undersized. Um, he's more of a depth player. They could bring back Jake Ryan. He's the best bet of those three. Um, of yeah, of the three, but um, he has injury questions as well, and he's going to hit free agency. So that's where it's going to be interesting, and they could definitely have a need at inside linebacker too. So um, 
But looking into their secondary, they drafted just in this spot. Like I said, they aren't typically in the high teens, and then they drafted in the high teens uh, Jair Alexander, who can play inside, outside. He's versatile within the secondary, and that's exactly what you need in today's NFL in the secondary. So Jair is like a star moving forward, in my opinion. Um, Kevin King you, or and Josh Jackson are two. Um, you drafted Jackson in the second round last year. King in the or you drafted both of them in the second round in each of the last two years. Um, both are a little more high. Um, you know, they're height, weight, speed type of players. Uh, Jackson was a former wide receiver who has ball skills. King would just blew up the combine and is super raw still. Um, so, I mean, in a perfect world, those are two big physical corners who can play on the outside. And like I said, Jair can follow guys all over the field and can move inside. And that's like your three. You know, you just invested so much into that. Um, the big issue is um, Josh Jackson, you know, couldn't really get on the field ahead of Tremont Williams for the early portions of last season. I know he started to as, you know, they started to miss the playoffs. And Kevin King not only has injury questions, but I don't think he's taken the steps forward necessarily. So, I mean, they have the players, but um, I think the only guy you really have is uh, Jair Alexander. So um, it's they're looking for a big step. I think they could get a step from Josh Jackson because they, they pushed Tremont Williams to safety by the end of last season. So I think that, you know, that opened up time for Jackson. Jackson played in the slot a little bit, but he has the ball skills and he's so raw in in terms of upside. I think he still has a lot of upside to him, but you're hoping this is a huge year in my opinion for Kevin King, because other than that, um, I don't think there's really any depth there that's, you know, um, kind of that gets you a little bit excited. So, uh, I think, you know, Devon House, he's like a a depth guy, but I really think, you know, you get some depth at cornerback. You don't go starter heavy at cornerback because you you would like to have those three be your starters, but because you can't rely on especially Kevin King um, and or Josh Jackson, but I'm, I'm hoping for a step forward from Josh Jackson more than King, but you can't rely on necessarily either of them. I think you could uh, see some depth or, you know, see a little bit of movement at cornerback, but not much compared to, um, like I said, inside linebackers, um, probably their biggest need next to Blake Martinez and then the edge, whether it be, you know, Reggie Gilbert or someone across from Nick Perry, those are bigger needs than, uh, than, you know, replacing Kevin King and Josh Jackson quite yet. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, bringing back Aaron Rodgers, you can definitely compete. So if they can figure out some things here um, on the D-line and, like you said, out on the edge, um, they could definitely make some noise, you know, coming back next year because you do have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I think they're going to need a free safety at some point, you know. Josh Jones can play in the box. Trey Matthews, I'm, I'm not a big fan of him either, but... um. They have some box safety play, and that can help their linebacker need. But they need a single high guy. You know, like I said, it was it was Tremont by the end of it. But they really need a single high guy too. So um, because he's you know he's old and he was just you know I think he's kind of playing this you know for like the last year or two of his career. You know, moving out to safety, he's a smart player. Um, could help the young guys you know communication wise. But uh, at some point, you're going to need a, a, a single high guy. Do you have anything else you want to add for the Packers, or we can keep this uh, moving on? And Packers fans, definitely check us out for whenever we do our positional breakdown uh, after the combine for draft guys. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I said, I think it's interesting that Lafleur has. Um, I think he's going to keep you know so many of the pieces in the cupboards, and you know, kind of just hopefully going to cook a different recipe than McCarthy did. You know, they're going to make tweaks. Like I said, linebacker, edge, maybe get a single high and free safety. Get yourself up an upgrade at guard for sure. 
um, you know, maybe tight end too. But um, yeah, just like like I said, minor tweaks. But it's really just kind of saying fresh faces in terms of the coaching staff. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how especially you know McCarthy, like I said, so old school. Lafleur, just the youngest, you know, newest dude. Um, going to be really interesting to see that dichotomy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll be moving on to the Dolphins next time. So Packers fans, take it easy.